Please um, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1. Because it's a long section, um, I would suggest that we, we read this in parts. And so we will read according to our, our division um, as per our outline. So let me pray, and then we would continue with our study. Our Heavenly Father, Thank you for this time that you have given us to open your word once more and to discover who you are. You did not just um, leave us in the darkness about who you are and what you are doing in this world. As Pastor Jonathan said, you revealed yourself through the works of creation that we may know that there is this supernatural being. And we are more so grateful for revealing yourself in this way that we may know you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit and how we pray that may he helps us um, to hear your holy word, to receive it with understanding, that we may be equipped for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, that we may mature in manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We ask all of this that your name may be glorified. Amen. Our focus this morning um, is on um, this chapter of Isaiah, and mainly just looking at this section, more so like we are in a courtroom, that God is presenting the case against this wicked um, nation. And this is so relevant to us, knowing that even our own country is sliding into this immorality Uh, corruption, crime, violence, neglect, and the um, ransacking of the infrastructure with the unemployment and and poverty worsening. Many of us had some hope um, some years ago, but all of these are more like or have yielded to much um, disappointment, um, despondency, and um, even depression. But history helps us in the light of all this much more as we even look at our, our decreasing values in our judiciary that we could look into history and have some kind of understanding of what God is doing even in our midst. Much more as we see that the values in the judiciary from the lower courts to the Supreme Court are sliding um, with abnormal delays in delivering justice to no justice at all. However, in contrast to the human judgment, the Bible tells us that the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. 
The Lord is our king and he will save us. And in this chapter, as we look at how God presents the case, you will see that actually, um, as the name Isaiah uh, means that Yahweh is the source of salvation or Yahweh is salvation, um, he himself is our prosecuting and defense attorney. He's the jury and the judge, and he will judge us based on his word, based on his will, and based on his rule, and based on his grace. And so, as we look at this um, opening chapter of Isaiah, we will see the four key parts, four key parts of God's case against this wicked nation. That will be, um, we will see the charge, the evidence that he will bring, the verdict that he would make, and the judgment or the sentencing um, from this passage. And the reason being, um, God writing this, um, many of you would, would know the, the outline of, of Isaiah um, is divided into two parts. You may, you may divide this into three parts if you want, but I've decided to settle into two. I'm looking at chapter 1 to chapter 39 that um, gives us the prophecies of condemnation. The prophecies of condemnation. The prophecies of condemnation really focuses on helping us see man's great need for salvation. And then the next um, section would be 40 to 46, um, the prophecies of comfort. And this is more helping us to see God's great comfort um, and provision of salvation declaring that salvation is of God and not man. And he is seen as the supreme ruler, the sovereign Lord of history, and um, the only um, savior. And so as we focus on this, um, it will help us um, to see how this message is a message of an encouragement to those who are faithful to him, and a message that brings warning to those who are um, rebellious against him. And this is my desire this morning, that's for those that you would be um, encouraged to continue being faithful to him. And that um, those who have not even surrendered to his lordship, that you would be challenged. You would know that um, God is working um, in this world to bring about, um, to grow his family and still um, to bring about justice and which would declare you um, guilty of sin and you would be punished for that. So we look into this um, first part of um, God's case against this nation um, from verse 1 to verse 9. It reads thus. This is the charge that God is bringing um, against his people as per the first part of your outline, children. The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heaven, and, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. Children I have read and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's grip. 
but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Will you continue to rebel? The whole whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of your feet even to the head, there is no soundness in it but bruises and sore and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or um, bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in the vineyard, like a lodge in the cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. And so as you, and this is um, the reading of God's word, I've used ESV, I've not yet upgraded to your level, um, but you will bear with me, I will try, um, incorporate that um, in my other readings. And so if you look at this verse 1, you will see that there's no... This, um, Isaiah is the, is the one who um, is the author of the book. It's, um, there's no any other suggested name. And uh, um, his prophecy happened during the reign of these four kings, um, Uzziah, Ahaz, um, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And so the word vision simply means that God revealed himself to Isaiah, and he understood this revelation um, during the reign of these kings, um, which has been like some said a span of um, 40 years or 250 years. And now, if you are more familiar with the book of Isaiah, you will realize that actually he talks about his calling in chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. That's when he talks about how um, the Lord was so glorified, holy, and lifted up, and his robe filled the whole temple, and talks about how he saw the seraphim um, with six wings covering their eyes, feet, and flew, and that um, later in verse 8, that's when he said, and I heard the voice of Yahweh saying, whom shall I send, and whom um, will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And so Isaiah doesn't start with his calling, um, which happened in chapter 6, but he starts with these first five chapters just to help us see the need um, for the prophet. He's focusing on showing us that um, the nation has a need um, for a prophet, and it shows that this nation is in trouble. They are in distress or crisis. And so that's um, his opening um, verse. But then we look at the charge that God brings uh, against them. So God's bringing the charge um, against this nation in verse 2 and 3. Basically, the charge is that they, they have rebelled against me. Um, and I think the LSB will say they have transgressed against God. 
And so they people, these people, God is saying like, the charge is not just these people have transgressed against me. But he's making us to see how serious it is by starting by saying like, and these people, do you know who are they? These are the people that I've made my sons. These are the people that I've raised up. These are the people that I've brought up. These are the people who were so, who were so weak. I've made them mine. I became their father and, and I've exalted them. Israel was the smallest and the weakest of all the nations. They were not wealthy or, or most powerful, yet God chose them, nourished them, and raised them up to a chosen status to accomplish more than other nations. The people and the kings knew where they came from. They knew. These people knew where they came from. They knew um, about the provision and the protection of God. They knew about um, the Red Sea, David and Goliath, every battle, every harvest. They knew. And God is saying, but they transgressed against me. And this is the way that does just doesn't just mean that they just um, disobeyed. But these people decided to go into war against God. They decided to break their alliance with God. They decided to become enemies instead of of, um, continuing being um, the children of Yahweh, their God. And he said, this is a serious charge of transgression. Because in verse 3 and 4, he even like mentioned that um, the oxes and the donkeys, um, these are not the smartest animals um, that we have. But he say like, but these animals, no matter how dull they may be, but these animals know how to recognize their provider. They will line up and do whatever they are asked and, uh, so that they can eat. Even dumb animals know the principle of recognizing their master. But my people do not know. And the whole point of our existence is to know and to seek to understand our creator. Jeremiah 9, verse 23, 24, Thus says the Lord, um, let the wise man not boast in his wisdom. Let not um, the mighty man boast in his might, and let not um, the, the, the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the God who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness um, on the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And that should be our desire. Our desire should be to seek to glorify God as we live. And we should do so by being obedient to him. And he's talking about that this will be foolish um, for people who have been created by God, being called by God, being saved by God, to rebel against the very same God. So that would be foolishness. 
foolish to the point of I'm seeing in verse 5 and 8, 5 to 8, that these people, even when they were, they were beaten left, right, and center, they were struck down, and but they decided to continue to rebel. He said, don't you see that because of your sin, you are being hurt every part of your life. Like before the wounds can get better, you get another beating. That's because of your love for sin. How long will you continue in this? And as we think about the foolishness of this nation, we realize that this is no far-fetched from even our own lives. Sin is busy destroying us and we continue in it. The consequences of our sins are so dear. They They are painful that you would look at that and say, like, this is foolish. How can we do this? But many of us would want God to understand. I know it's sinful, but we want to be the Lord of our own lives instead of submitting ourselves, surrendering ourselves unto his lordship. Because when the Lord said it is sin, It doesn't matter what you think. Your opinion doesn't matter. When God declares it, it is so. And he said, look at yourself. You are sick from the head to toe. Can't you see what is happening around you? He cries out in verse 7 that your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire in your very presence. Foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. The beautiful city of Zion, of Jerusalem, which um, Isaiah was focusing on, the, the, the southern parts um, of Israel, um, Judah, which capital city is Jerusalem. Um, so he's the He's, he's, um, he's prophesying to this um, group, but also it's a warning to the ten tribes of Israel in the north. But he's saying, like, look at yourself. Look at what's happening around you. Don't you see that the rebellion is costing you so much? God has stayed his charge. They are being, they transgressed against him. They are being rebellious against him. And it's so easy that he continued to say, like, now, just after he made, it, he made um, the charge, he now provides um, us with the evidence in verse 10 to verse um, 17, I read. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teachings of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I had, have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fed of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of the lambs or of goats. When you come to appeal before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. 
Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of the convocations. I cannot enjoy iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. And he said, wash yourself, make yourself clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before your eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's case. Come now, let's um, reason together, says the Lord. We will get to that part. So in this section, verse 10 to 17, we see now he's presenting the evidence um, of his charge that these people have transgressed against him. And so um, he, God is, is able to say like, hey, um, there are things that you are doing and God is not opposed um, to these things. These sacrifices in themselves, um, they are no wrong, um, but is their hypocrisy, is their misuse thereof. Um, he mentioned um, a list of things that they are, they are doing, but he said, like, no, actually these things, what are they to me? And we ask, did they not bring sacrifices as the law had required? Were they wrong in stretching their arms in prayers? No, they were not. But God is asking them, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? And the question is intended to express the thoughts that what pleasure can I have in your sacrifices unless they are offered from um, a clean heart? And that's what we need to be thinking about and do a reality check um, today. Is God pleased with your coming to church? Is he pleased with your offering? Is he pleased with your prayers? Is he pleased with, with your Bible studies? Because this in itself um, are right things to do, but if there is not a true heart of obedience and worship behind it, it's something that God hates. The same idea appears in, in 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great pleasure um, or great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and um, to listen than a fat of rams. And that's what God is, is, uh, is appealing to, to say, like, there are things that you are doing, but your hearts are not there. Um, he say like, there, your life is not in order. You are not doing what is right. Uh, there are things you should be doing you are not doing. There are things you should be doing, and you choose to do it in the wrong way, and that doesn't please me. And when you pray, I will not even listen. God is telling them, like, we have a problem, a serious one, because of your your attitude, your behavior, your lifestyle, this is so wrong. And with this, 
um, he, he shows the evidence of what they should be doing while they are worshiping him and, and how they are not doing that and what they, should be, um, what they should do in order to remedy the situation. And you know what he says in verse um, 16 to 17? He says, um, wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes and cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Please the widow's case. And basically say like they are doing the opposite of what they should be doing. And then they want to add on sacrifices to him. And he said that is an abomination. That I hate. It does not give me pleasure. So God is saying He is concerned and he requires the perfect obedience of a right living and a right doing. So it's not just coming to church and doing the right stuff here, but it's more of your holistic life. We are not Christians on Sunday. We are Christians 24-7. It's not a cap we put on and we start doing the right things because we put on the cap of Christianity and we can take it off and do whatever we want. And just because we have fallen, we have shot fall of the glory of God, we have inherited um, the sin nature, God is not looking at that and saying like, okay, let me um, drop the bar, the standard, let's lower it here um, so that my people can meet. He still requires the perfect obedience and hence he's telling them, wash yourself, make yourself clean and remove evil from your deeds. Can you imagine God demanding a cleansing that is anything less than his perfect standard. Basically, there's no hope here. In this verse, there's no hope because me and you cannot wash ourselves, cannot cleanse ourselves. We cannot remove the evil from our deeds. And God is saying, like, look at yourself, do this. Um, The standard is so high. Can you meet it? No, they cannot. And hence, he moves on um, to the verdict. They say, like, because you cannot um, reach my perfect standard, you cannot cleanse yourself, you cannot, you are not living this way, meaning I can see your sin, you are not living the right way, and you cannot even help it yourself, um, that's for sure. You are guilty as charged. You are guilty as charged. He made a charge. He gave evidence and now he hands down the verdict and he said, like, you are guilty as charged. And hence he comes and say, like, bring in verse 18. He said, like, you, you're not going to be able to help yourself. You think of how... Jerusalem was to be the faithful city. And what is it like today as an unfaithful city? And God is saying, like, you are guilty as charged. Let's read 18 to 23 to see more of this. Say, come now. Um, Let's try I have until verse 20 here. 
Um, I will carry on verse 21 to verse 23 within ESV. Come now, let us reason together, says Yahweh. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like a crimson, they would be like wool. If you are willing and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. And in verse um, 21 to 23, how the faithful city has become a whore. whore. Um, She who was full of justice, righteousness, lord in her but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your best wine mixed with water. Your princess are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's case does not come to them. And so God um, is bringing that um, judgment to say, like, these people are guilty as charged. They are um, guilty as charged. That's the verdict that he's, he's bringing down. Um, so, and, and you could see um, how he's explaining this unfaithful city, how um, the faithful city has become, the people have turned away from him to idols and so were like a wife forsaking her, her husband to become a prostitute. It's like unfaithfulness is it's, um, it's serious before God. And he said, like, these are the people who should be loving me with their whole hearts. But no, they have turned aside to love something else or someone else more than they will love me. And God said, that's a prostitute. That's being a whore to, to seek, to prioritize something else over than God. And when we look at um, Romans 3, verse 9 to 18, um, you will see that this description of Judah is nothing worse than God's description, God's description of me and you apart from Christ. We are no different, wicked to the core, hypocrites, full of injustices. And God is saying, you are guilty of charge. But like, not only God is um, the, the prosecuting attorney and even the defense attorney um, or even um, the jury only, but he's also the defense attorney. And, he, and, he, and, he, and the, the words are so clear, and you could see the grace in his, in his um, verdict in verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. The Lord is like, I'm, I'm, I'm willing, I'm, I'm, I'm available, I have the means that we can, you can come and, and reason with me and I can do, I can be merciful to you, I can show grace that um, your um, sins can be forgiven and they can be cleansed, you can be washed because clearly we ourselves are not able to do that. But he say like, hey, but I can do it. And I'm open to do that. Only if you are willing and obedient, he gives them this condition. 
say, you shall eat um, the land, uh, the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. And with this verdict, um, there's so much grace that if we come to surrender to him, there is grace. And he ends this section after giving the verdict, he gives the sentence or the judgment, um, since we have the J um, as part of the outline, number four is, is the judgment or the sentence. He's sentencing them, and that's what we see um, happening in these verses. Therefore, the Lord declares, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself of my foes. I will turn my hand against you and will melt away your dross as lying and remove all your idols. And I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterwards, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. But rebels and sinners shall be broken together and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed for they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desired and you shall blush for the gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf with us and like a garden who's without water. And the strong shall become tender, and his work a spark, and both of them shall bend together with none to quench them. And so God, as he brings his um, sentence, despite the guilty verdict, God's response with the gospel of grace, therefore declares the Lord in verse 24, the Lord of hosts, I will get relief from my enemies and I will avenge uh, myself of my foes. And so there is um, grace that you could see in this um, verses 24 to 27 um, that um, he shall redeem his people. Um, he shall redeem them um, by justice. He will remove, he will cleanse them. He will do everything um, to return the faithful city to where it needs to be, or this unfaithful city to become the faithful city. And he said, it won't be pleasing um, when he does that. He won't be cleaning them or cleansing them um, with just water and soap, but the language here shows how um, that he would even use bleach and everything that will scrape and scratch um, their, their filthiness. And that's what God is committed to do, that there is his remnant, and his remnant he will preserve. He will restore them. He will cause them to be faithful. There will be um, a people of his pasture. He's committed to that. He was committed to their salvation and their holiness. And he will restore them to himself and they will utterly be, over, be overcome by his love and for them in the gospel. And that's the grace we have in Jesus Christ. That's our hope. The hope in our society is not the hope of a new party or whatever, politic, 
Currently, we do not have hope. But as we look at this life, as this country, in the, in the lands of God, we see that God is doing something in the midst of this chaoticness. He is busy restoring um, his people. He's busy um, growing his kingdom. He's busy calling out the faithful remnant to his family. Um, he is this God who will bring this and make this to happen. The time will come when the unfaithful city who has gone warring after idols will return to God as a faithful bride. And will be called the city of righteousness. How God is going to do this? In verse 27, it says, Zion shall be redeemed by justice. And those in her who repent by righteousness. And so this explanation, which really can only mean that the um, the righteousness and the justice of God himself through the person of Jesus Christ would be seen. The suffering servant whom we encounter much later in this book, um, who though he was without sin became sin um, for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God still requires perfect holiness which is something we cannot attain on our own, and hence we rely on him clothing us with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And hence, as a child of God, we could look at this and see that, and be able to see how um, that remnant that God made um, was pointing ahead to what he was doing or going um, to do through Jesus Christ that Jesus did not rebel against God like everyone else did, but um, he's the one who has lived a perfect life and can absorb us all into his perfect record when we surrender ourselves um, to him. Because the power or the gospel is the power for salvation to everyone who believes. There's been that God saying like, um, you, if you believe, if you surrender yourself, if you come to me, um, you will receive and see me and see um, this power at work in your life. But if not, you would be consumed by the sword. And so if you are a Christian, um, remember that you are a child of God and do not repeat or continue or rebel like Israel. Do not rebel. Commit yourself to obedience because of um, your salvation. We love God and we serve him, not because of um, we want a position or a status, but it's because of the position he has given us. Then out of our love for him, we come and surrender and serve, love, know him, seek him, and, and obey him. And that's become something we do out of joy because of um, the love that we have um, seen and experienced and the grace that we have experienced and seen in, in Christ. And the warning um, is the warning of justice. 
while we have the promise of God's grace that he will be giving us what we do not deserve because of Jesus Christ when we believe, there is a warning because he will judge those who are faithful with the righteousness of Christ, but those who rebel, justice will be served. And this should be even an encouragement to us as Christians that a lot is happening and the Lord still to come. The world is not getting better, it's getting worse and worse. And we will suffer more and more. But this, it should be a comfort and an encouragement to us to know that God is watching. God knows and God will judge with justice. He has this final word. He has this um, solemn warning, a warning um, not to those who are sinners, and I have to be clear, this is a warning not to those who are sinners, for we are all sinners. Um, we are all guilty, but this is a very stem warning to those who reject his grace. It's those who continue to live in their sin. And Isaiah ends um, of this chapter with this warning to the proud in heart who reject the grace of God. And he uses this oak trees and, and he says, like, you know what? Um, big as you might think you are, mighty as an oak tree you may think you are, um, but the reality is you are drying with thee. Um, you are withering with thee. Um, and all you will become is a fuel for the fire of God's wrath, which can never be quenched. He said, like, no one would escape his judgment who is um, in rebelliousness. And hence, the call should be at hand with a whole heart. God has a strong case against you as I conclude. And he is this just God. With him there is no old age or medical or, or corruption political parole. And he will save this justice. But remember what we read in verse 18 to 20. Come now, let us reason together, says Yahweh. Though your sins are as scarlet, they would be as white as snow. Though they are red like a crimson, they would be like a wool. If you are willing and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be eaten by the sword for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. Let's bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the transformation power that is in your word. May you graciously continue to open our eyes to see this truth, our ears to hear what the Spirit um, says, and our hearts to gain understanding and wisdom. Thank you for giving us the hope for the future. We choose to believe your word, to become doers of your word, and to declare this truth in Jesus' name. Amen.